because this is kind of uh, a song that David wrote when he needed encouragement. And all of you guys have these songs. Um, you know, you, you're working out or you need to get something done. So you put your headphones in and you play that song to get it done. You know, you have that song or maybe you're down and it's been a really rough week and nothing has been going right. And so you, you play that hymn or that old gospel song for some encouragement. And that's what this song is. So this is David's encouragement song. Um, and I, I chose this song because I want to see David's heart. I want us to see what it looks like to have a heart that loves God more than anything else. And here in Psalm 63, we're going to see a type of love for God that is the same type of love that Jesus talks about in Luke 11, where he says, you have to love God so much that in comparison with anything else, it'll look like you hate your father. It'll look like you hate your mother because of how much you love God. And that's, that's radical. That is a crazy kind of love. But that's the kind of love that Paul talks about when he says, um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That kind of love for God is what we're seeing here in David's life. Um, and that's crazy, but that's the way that we're called to live. And so that's what we'll look at today. I want to look at how we're called to live and the type of love we're supposed to have for Christ. Um, so, I want you as much as you can to please put the, the chapter and the verse notations out of your mind. And I just want you guys to hear this psalm as a song, what it truly is. Um, we're going to read through it twice. The first time, I want you guys to read through it with me. And the second time, I want you guys to close your eyes and just only hear this as a song, a song of a man who is earnestly seeking after God. So let's go ahead um, and read Psalm 63. So bring your Bibles and read it with me. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with rich and fat food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wing I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. All right, guys, close your eyes. Put out the, the verse rotations. I want you just to hear this song and just see the pictures that David is painting here in this verse. So let's, let's read this again. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with rich and fat food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth, they shall be given over to the power of the sword, and they shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. All right, guys, so I, I want to work through this song, and I don't want to I, I go through this and just hit a verse and explain it 
and then give application on it and then keep going because I really want you guys to hear this and understand these pictures as they're meant to be understood as a song. So we're going to go through it. Um, I'm going to kind of paint these pictures um, that, David is, that David is painting here and then we're going to make some application. So let's look at the beginning here. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. All right, so the picture that David is painting here he starts off by saying earnestly. And that word earnestly is really, really closely tied with super early in the morning. So we have this picture of, da- of a shepherd, which David was a shepherd, waking up super early in the morning and going to look for that lost lamb. Earnestly. He w- he's trying with all of his might. And he even mentions that next line where he says, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So he's saying early, early in the morning and earnestly I'm seeking after you in the same way that I'm seeking for water in this dry and weary land where there is no water. And this, a really important thing here that we could miss. So you look at your Bibles and go to verse 1 and then look before verse 1. And it should say something along the lines of a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Um, that gives us some context, and that's really important here. Because um, you may think, cool, man was on a hike in the wilderness. That is not what was going on. Um, this Historians believe this is actually was written when David was either fleeing from Saul in the wilderness or when he was fleeing from his son in the wilderness. So either way, he's fleeing from somebody and he's in the wilderness. And also, what you might think the wilderness is, is probably very different from what the wilderness is. The wilderness is not the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. The wilderness is the desert, um, pretty frankly put, um, where there is no water. So here we have a man who was in the desert, he is extremely thirsty. We have stories about how thirsty David was. And he's in the desert, and he's saying, in the same way that my body yearns and just seeks after water, I seek after you, God. And that's a beautiful picture. He's asking God, God, come down. I want your presence. And you may say, how does he want his presence? Well, look back in the Bible. And he says, um, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David is not asking Jesus to come down and to, to minister to him with angels or to, to work in his heart physically, but he is saying that he longs to be in the presence of God like he was back in Jerusalem. Because David lived in Jerusalem, and that's where the, the presence of God resided in the tabernacle. And David is used to being physically close to that, and now he's off in the wilderness away from that, and it, it yearns him physically. His body hurts because he's away from the presence of God. And that's an amazing picture. I mean, just, just to look at our own hearts, do, do we long after that? Do we long after God like, like David longed after God? You know, when we miss a day of Bible reading, does, does our heart yearn and just miss that so dearly? But let's continue, guys. Um, okay, so... To recap, we have a man here who's longing after God more than his body longs after water in a desert. Um, and next, this, this statement is wild. This statement is, if you think that the Bible is a boring book and it has boring stories in it and it's really weird and there's lots of crazy names that you'd never name your children, that part's true, but um, the Bible is wild. It has a radical story of love. And let's look at this verse here. Because your steadfast love is better than life, Okay, that's pretty wild, guys. Um, I mean, would you rather have God's love than be alive? I mean, could you say that? 
Like, would you rather have God's love than be alive? And okay, you, you can be saying, well, first off, you know, David lived in, in fact, 1500 BC, and, you know, good life was like having one camel. Okay, guys, you're missing the point here. David was a king. David could have anything and everything he wanted. He, he literally had whatever he wanted. He, that's, that's part of being king. It was amazing. And you might think, okay, but the standard of joy was kind of off. No, no, okay. Oh. Um, David understood what true joy was. You might say, how do you know this? Um, if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we have a story. And it's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Um, you'll see why here in a second. Um, and uh, David has been out looking for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant comes into Jerusalem. And David is so happy, he runs out of his palace. He goes to the city gates. As the, temp- as the Ark of the Covenant comes in, he goes before it, dancing in the streets half naked. Okay. I don't know who you are. I don't know your life. But I'm going to make an educated guess that you rarely get so happy as to jump up and down. And I'm going to guess you've never been so excited about something that you've run down the streets half naked dancing. But David had. And that's the kind of joy that David is saying, I would rather have God, I would rather be dead and have God's love than to live a thousand years with that kind of joy and not have God's love. Like, that's wild. And not only that, we're going to come back to that, guys, because that's that's just so impactful. Because David understood the pleasure and the value of life. But he's saying, God, your steadfast love is better than life. And because of that, my lips will praise you. And guys, um, a little bit later on here, he says, uh, my lips will praise you. And he says, I will bless you as long as I lived. I will lift up my hands in your name. And guys, if you keep looking down here, it says uh, in, verse, in verse 5. Look at verse 5. This is amazing. He says, my lips will praise you in verse uh, 3. He says, my soul will be satisfied as with rich and fat food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And guys, okay, go back to what we said in the beginning. This is a guy who is in the desert. He is starving. He is dehydrated. He is saying, I'm seeking after you more than I'm seeking after water. And God, your love will satisfy me more than a, a delicious meal right now. And because of that, I will praise you with joyful lips. Okay, just pause here. This is a really small thing, and this is really incredible to me. Um, I've had the privilege or the disprivilege of spending a lot of time in the desert. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever been in the desert, but if you're in the desert for more than like a day, something happens to your lips. It's not fun. Your lips will get chapped, and they will get broken. And if you're in the desert for like more than about a week, um, running on low water, like camping or backpacking or something, they'll start to crack and bleed, actually. You have to be really, really careful with it. And this is in 1500 BC, so I'm sure that David's lips are cracked and they're blistered. I want you guys to picture this in your mind. Here's this man, he's starving, he's dehydrated, his lips are cracked and broken, and he says, God, with all the strength I have, I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to praise you with joyful lips because that you will satisfy me more than a delicious meal will. Guys, that's crazy. So again, let's pause. Like, just take a second for reflection. Like, how do you shape up? Like, can most of, us, most of us in America even understand what this level of yearning after anything looks like? I mean, have any of you yearned after anything? I'm not even saying, not even God, but just 
Have you ever yearned and desired and sought after anything this much? Like, this is a wild kind of love. All right, let's keep moving. Um, So now we're in verse 6. It says, um, Oh, praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night. Okay, so here we have a picture. Remember back in verse 1, he says, Earnestly I will seek you. Talking about early in the morning, he's, you're longing after God, and now coming back down here, and late at night. So from the moment he wakes up, and he gets on his day, to the moment he's laying in bed, he's just seeking after God and meditating upon his truth. And not only that, um, let's keep looking down. Uh, where are we? Verse 6. In verse 7, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wing I will sing for joy. And guys, this is really cool. He, he can be joyful and he can meditate on God because he, he understands that he is the one helping him. He is the one sustaining him. And here we have a really cool picture um, of a mother protecting her baby chicks. Um, who here knows what guinea fowl are? Does anyone know what guinea fowl are? Okay, Josh, Alvin, good job. Um, so guinea fowl are basically a bird. Um, they're like a turkey, but from Africa. They're really cool. Um, they're very noisy. Um, and we've had several of them at our farm for the last couple of years. And every spring they have like 20 chicks. And every spring, which you'll see, is the mother will come along and you know, she'll like move five feet and all of the chicks will be laying underneath her. So they'll have to get up and for like five seconds they freak out and they're screaming and they're super annoying. And then they'll see the mother and they'll run to her and they'll get back underneath her wings. Even if she's just eating or laying down. And when that happens, all of a sudden their cries, which are super annoying, change. And as soon as those chicks go underneath their mother, all of a sudden, you hear this like, this like whistling and like this calm, like what you expect a bird to sound like. I'm just a bird singing for joy. And David's saying in the same way, he knows that he'll only have true rest and he'll only truly be able to uh, just have peace when he's with God and when he's in God's presence. And he knows that when that happens, his heart will overflow into song and he will be joyful. Let's keep looking, guys. Um, we're, we're trying to work this, this song first. Um, verse 8, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And when, and when I read this, my mind immediately goes back to um, rock climbing in the mountains. I'm sure if you've ever seen a rock climber, he'll make one move, and he'll have all of his body weight on just a couple pads of his finger. And with every ounce of his being, he'll be clinging onto that rock, trying to make the next move. And the same way David's saying that he'll clean, his soul is clinging to God because he knows that only in God he will have rest. And, his, and God is the one that will uphold him. And then here we kind of have a, a quick switch. And she changed direction a little bit now. And now in verse 9 we see, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword and they shall be a portion for jackals. So here we see David, you know, making a switch here. He's talking about um, an eagle protecting her chicks. And this is an act of protection. Not only that God will protect us when we're with him, but he will go before us and he's protecting David and us from anyone who's trying to destroy him. He, David knows that those trying to destroy him will be sunk down into the depths of the earth. They'll be turned back into the dust where they came from. And anything that's left of them will be no more than just leftovers for coyotes. The, the very same swords that they bring against David will be the swords of that are used to kill them. And you may think, wow, like, this is a weird song. This is a weird turn. But remember, this is a parallel. Back in verse 7, 
we, we see a protector, and here we see an attacker going before us, protecting us in the same way. And we see this in the very next line. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of the liars will be stopped. And he, that, that is the king, that is David, will rejoice in God. And he knows that all who live glorifying God and seek to promise themselves to him and swear by him will be the ones that God exalts. And in contrast, those who, who try to destroy and try to lie and bring about their own glory will be stopped. And th- this is the song. It's, it's only 11 verses. It's pretty short. Um, but to give you a quick recap, so, so now we've seen, we've seen the picture of a man waking up before the sun to seek God's presence, like his dry, dehydrated body has been seeking after water. And because this man has tasted God's love, he will praise him with, with lips that will be more satisfied than if his starving body would be satisfied by a full and delicious meal. And this man is going to meditate in the morning and in the night on God and his goodness because God is going to shelter him and protect him like an eagle protecting her chicks. And anyone who tries to harm them, she will wipe out like a line in the sand. And because of this, he will rejoice in God alone. So that's, that's the psalm. So I want, I want you to have us look at our hearts for a second and make some application. Um, I hope you guys understand, you guys have seen just how much David loves God. David loves God more than life. And I just want to take, take a few moments and make a, some application. But um, as we do, I want you guys to be thinking about something. The Bible is filled with radical, radical language. Um, thinking about for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thinking about Romans 1.16. Thinking about Ephesians and Philippians. Thinking about Acts. Just, just, the, just the entire book of Acts. We see person after person die, be beaten, be crucified, be crucified upside down, be beheaded. And it's like, why? Like, if you ever stop to think, why, what makes Christianity so radical? What is so wild that so many people would be able to do ridiculous and insane things for the gospel? And I think here we see what that is. We see hearts, we see a heart that loves God so much that it's discovered something that has been so long lost. I think it's been so long lost on the ears of us American Christians. We see a heart that loves God, that loves God more than anything else, that has no other idols before it, and that is earnestly desiring to be close to it. So looking at application, um, that's my first question. Do you guys earnestly seek God like David says. Like, do you long for God as much as you would long for water on a hot day? Um, do, do you long for God even more than that? Do you long for God less than that? And I have to say, if you do, this will become very, very evident in your life. You'll be willing to lose sleep. You'll be willing to miss meals because you want just a little bit more of God. And I, guys, this is, this is hard. You may not like this. That's okay. This is supposed to be very difficult for us. Because how oftentimes do we leave just on time to be able to go grab our Starbucks and get to work? To be able to iron our clothes and then get to work, go to school, pack our bags. Yet we, we miss out on Jesus. 
we're willing to, to get up earlier, we're willing to dress nicer for a better job, for our Starbucks, for better grades, but we aren't willing to wake up 30 minutes earlier, we aren't willing to go to bed 30 minutes later, just to spend a little bit more time with the man, with the God that created us. If you look at all those passages um, of Paul in uh, Acts 20 where he says, I know I'm going to die. Um, the Ephesian elders come and they say, Paul, don't go. And it's a really cool passage because the Holy Spirit told the Ephesian elders and the Holy Spirit told Paul the same thing. Like, you can go read it. It's the exact same, exact same words. And there's two very different outcomes. The Ephesian elders come to Paul and they say, Paul, the Holy Spirit told us you're going to die if you go to Jerusalem. You're going to get imprisoned and eventually you're going to die. And Paul is like, yeah, guys, the Holy Spirit told me the exact same thing. And for that reason, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to die so that I can profess Christ a little bit more. Because Paul understood something that the Ephesian elders had seen, but they just didn't fully grasp. And that is, there's something worth seeking after. There's a reason that we're called to earnestly seek after God this much. And that's my next point of application, guys. Do you love, do you believe that God is better than life? Do you believe that God's steadfast love is better than life? Because if you do, that is something worth seeking after. And that's, that's something we're called to, guys. Um, I've heard so many times in the last couple months, um, you can look on the news, it's everywhere. Uh, you've probably seen this headline, you've probably read it. It's the sins of America. Um, what the greatest sin in the American church is. And I've heard abortion, and I've heard um, literally everything. Everyone has an opinion on it. Um, and I have an opinion on it. And I think the greatest sin of the American church is idolatry. We have so many other idols, whether it be um, our job, whether it be our family, whether it be our friends, whether it be a relationship. We put so many things in our hearts that we're willing to sin to get, yet we're not willing to earnestly seek after God. We, we, we always read that the Old Testament commandment of um, you should have no other gods before me, and we think, well, got that one. Like, if I've killed somebody and if I've lied, I'm okay because I haven't put other gods before God. But in reality, what we don't understand is that every single one of us have an idol-making machine built into us. Our hearts are idol-making machines. Literally. They're willing to put anything before God. And you might think, well, I don't have any idols, you know. I don't worship TV over God. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything that you're, you're willing to sin to get? An idol is something we're willing to sin to get. I mean, if nothing else, are we not all guilty, myself foremost, of, of putting things before God, of not seeking Him like we're supposed to? Because that's a sin. I mean, think about the amount of Americans that spend more time studying politics than they study their Bible. Guys, this is disgraceful. The other day, um, I, don't, I don't know what your political affiliation, affiliations are. It doesn't really matter which side you're on. Um, my girlfriend lives in Washington, D.C. 
So I have, this is very close to home for me. Um, something I deal with daily. Um, I heard a lady tell me, um, she's like, this is not Lady Rosa Church, none of you know her, I promise. Um, she said, um, this is just a really hard time in America. Um, this is a really hard time spiritually, which is true. Um, and she said the words, um, I would never want to have, I would never want to have to raise a child in the America that will happen in five or 10 years, you know, in a year. And I thought to myself, wow. I felt so bad for that lady because she had put her hope and her trust in a political candidate. She loved politics. She loved something more than God. And when that something fell, when there was an issue there that she didn't like, her world fell down. Guys, regardless of what you believe in politics, do you guys understand that there are Christians in China, in Mongolia, in Jordan, in Yemen, in Somalia, that are being hunted down and killed daily, and they rejoice in their persecution? And this is a really strong challenge to you guys, and this is supposed to be offensive. This is not supposed to hit you and be like, okay, nothing's, nothing's gonna change. Like, this is supposed to be hard. Like, even if the world went horribly poorly and Christians were hunted down and killed, we could rejoice in that because we have something better than life, and that is God's love. And the other side of that, do you guys fear God more than anything else? Do you love him more than anything else? Do you go about your days worried that you might catch COVID? That your kids will, will run out and be lost forever? And guys, I'm not saying to not be careful. I'm not saying to not be wise. But so oftentimes we use those excuses as exactly that, as excuses to keep us from having to seek after God and to love after God like this. And let me tell you, this is the way that we're, we're called to live. And Jesus is so radical about this. He says, if there's anything stopping you, cast it out. Jesus literally said, and he was being very literal when he said this. He said that if your left eye causes you to stumble, causes you to, keeps you from loving God like you should, keeps you from being able to experience the kind of love that God has, you should cast it out. And I'm not sure if you guys know much about anatomy, but eyes are something that are considered vital organs, as in very crucial to your ability to survive. But God is saying, Jesus is saying, it's better that you not have one of those so that you can live and, uh, and experience the love of God. This is something that very few Christians ever get to experience because they have so many things in the way. And this is something that I want you guys to experience. This is something I want to experience. Because God's love is so deep and so amazing that it's better than life. So I would challenge you guys. Do you believe that? And as a word of encouragement, um, you know, when you feel lost, when you feel under attack, when you feel hopeless, don't feel hopeless. Run to God. He is our protector. He is our encourager. He is the one that is over everything. He can protect us. He can go before us and demolish our enemies. And anything that he allows in our life is for our best, for his glory. So I would challenge you guys to remember that. 
Be encouraged by that. When you find yourself running to anything else, to music, to... That's actually my car, so... I got my keys down there. Alvin, thanks. Um, when you find yourself running to anything else, uh, possessions, um, anything like that, I would challenge you guys, don't feel... Sorry, this is going to be super annoying, guys. So we're going to give Alvin a second here. You find it, Alvin? There you go, Alvin. Good job. Let's go on a hand, guys. That was good. That one's coming? Yeah, there he is. All right. Uh, what are we talking about? Jesus. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when you guys find yourselves running to anything else, when you guys find yourselves coming home after a long work day, being discouraged, and running to the TV, when you guys are discouraged and down, watching the news, and you find yourself running to food, um, to addiction, to anything else, stop. Turn around and run to Christ. Because that is what he wants. He wants us to be fully and wholly dependent on him. And in closing, guys, I just want to encourage you. Um, it's really easy, after this passage, for me at least, um, to be like, man, that's how much I'm supposed to love God, and this is how much I love him now. And that's really, really discouraging. But don't be discouraged, guys. I encourage you. This is not something that you have to do on your own. Um, Josh Moll is not here, so I can brag on him. Um, I was getting some counseling from Josh uh, about some situations I had in my life. And I was like, Josh, I just don't feel like I can do this myself. And Josh started smiling. And I, I, I was getting really mad because I'm like crying. I'm like, Josh, I can't do this. And Josh is like smiling. He's like, hey. Um, and he's like, Matthias, you hit the nail on the head. You cannot do this by yourself. You were made. Uh, what's the word in English? gigantically, overwhelmingly inadequate. Like you were made overwhelmingly inadequate and you have a huge deficiency because you were made to have to be reliant on God. So guys, don't run to anything else. Run to God because he is the one that's sustaining you. He will allow you to be able to live this life and he will f fulfill the promises he's made that allow us to lay aside everything else and earnestly seek after him. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I've just done too many bad things. I'm too far away from what this type of love for God looks like. Then I encourage you, look at, look at David's life. Um, again, his life is very well documented. Very, many of his sins are very, very clear in the Bible. So please, look at those sins and see how God loved him and showed himself true to him just like he will do for you, when you see, if you seek him. So guys, I want us to bow our heads real fast. Um, and uh, Mitch asked me to do this. So we're going to do it fast. So Alvin's going to come up, and he's going to play a couple chords. And I just wanted you guys to take a minute and just, just pray. Um, just look in, in your life and just kind of meditate for a second and just look for the things that are keeping you from loving God this way. Look for those idols in your life. And maybe you might say, you know, I have no clue what my idols are. Then I would encourage you, just pray this week and just ask God to show you your idols. Or maybe you're sitting here listening and you're thinking, man, I know exactly what my idols are. I've seen them for the last couple of months, for the last couple of weeks, and I'm seeing them again to this morning. And you might be at a point where you say, I'm not ready to let go of these yet. That's okay. God gives grace. And I would encourage you guys, this week, ask for grace. Ask for growth from God. 
ask for his strength and not your own to come in and to vindicate you from those idols. Allow him to provide the grace that you need to grow and to move on. Let's pray, guys. Oh, God, you are so amazing. To give us stories like this in the Bible, to give us a man who we can look at, who we can see this amazing kind of love for you. And God, we might think, man, why would anyone live like that? Why would anyone give up their job and their possessions to go live in a hut in Africa? Or why would a businessman, when he has so many opportunities for investment, give away thousands of his dollars to, to invest in something that has no return? Or why would a little old poor lady give away her last two dollars so that she can just give them to the church who ultimately, I mean, what's two dollars to them? But God, we know that there's something bigger there and we know that they've experienced the kind of love that is found in you, your steadfast love. So God, I ask that you'd pour out your steadfast love on us. Allow us to experience it, even if it's just once, Lord, so that we can long after it for the rest of our lives. Help us to never give up, Lord, and to earnestly seek after you. Give us so much grace, Lord, so that we can go out of here and we can fail time and time and time and time and time again and know that you're still faithful and true. We love you, God, and we thank you for loving us. Bless our worship and bless our time together. In my prayer, amen.